I'm talking to Nia Vardalos from Winnipeg, one of the most amazing cities I'm from as well. So much fun. She's done so much. You've got to listen to it. Our dog, Louie, is... He's so fat because we love everyone with food in our family. And I came back from the press tour for my Big Fat Greek Wedding 2. And he ran to the door and I was like, no, he looked like a... He actually didn't run. He dragged two of his legs to the door. He looked like a, like a wet holla coming at me. And I just went, no, no, what's happening? So I took him to the vet and asked if he had thyroid disease. And the vet laughed me out of the office. I was like, see, because I have thyroid disease. So I thought maybe Louie has thyroid disease. Yeah. Uh, he ch- tested his blood and called me still laughing like a yeah. week later and yeah. said, Louie does not have thyroid disease. There's somebody in your family feeding him. So I said, okay, I'm going to get to the bottom of it. So I watched Ian feeding him and I watched our housekeeper feeding him. And when I'm watching, everyone has like a level... Yes. Did they know that you were watching? I was. I said, somebody's made it. It wasn't me. I've been away. Somebody has done this to this dog. So, okay. Um, I found out that it was our housekeeper because while I'm watching, (laughs) she feeds him a level uh, cupful. But then when I'm not watching, she's giving him table scraps uh, and she admits it. So like almost like a bad spy. Like I said, oh, um, Alaria's food. I always eat it after she goes to school. And she said, oh, I usually give it to Louie. And I went, aha, <laughs> j'accuse. <laughs> so um, it, the house is on lockdown. The pantry's on lockdown. I've, I've said nobody goes feeds the dog but me. So... Uh, Alaria and I went away last weekend. We went to Winnipeg, our hometown. And I said, Ian, it's time for his weigh-in. Because every week, it would be, Ian would hold him and weigh him on the scale. And it would be, Louis weighs 39 pounds. And we wrote it on the fridge. Every week, Louis (laughs) weighs 39 pounds. Till I figured out who the culprit was. Put him on this one tablespoon of food out of his food diet. That's all I did. Louis now weighs 38 pounds. And it's (laughs) big news in our house. We're like, wow, Louis is walking around tucking his shirt in. (laughs) Yeah. This is my dog, Izzy, Izzy Steinberg. He's a big standard poodle. They call him Royals because they're so big. I mean, he's so big that he's like, he's got a mic of his own. We're sitting at a table and he's got a mic of his own. Yeah, that's me. I'm so pretty. <laughs> Look how pretty I am. We actually, that just reminded me, I, I haven't let you talk at all, but I'll tell you one other thing. John Corbett loves to play practical jokes, mm-hmm. and I directed him in a movie. I'm not good at it, but I tried it. Mm-hmm. And uh, for ADR, he brought his German Shepherds. They're so well-behaved. So my husband was in the movie, Ian Gomez, mm-hmm. and he had a line where he had to say, who's up next? And his mic dropped, plays a, a karaoke DJ. When he turns to the audience goes, who's up next? Nothing came out of his mouth. So John said, let's do this. So on cue, he got his dogs to bark, and we laid it in over uh, Ian's line. Perfect. So uh, Ian came in to do ADR, yes. and I said, uh, what, why do we have Ian here? I said to the sound booth, and they said, uh, I think one of his lines was dropped, and everyone just plays it, played it perfectly, and Ian got his cans on, you know, and he's looking at the big monitor. And I said, I think it's in this scene. Let's just play it. Okay, Ian, just watch it. What do you think you said? I think you said, who's up next? I'm not sure. So the line comes, Ian opens his mouth and it goes, (laughs) 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 and nobody had any expression on their face. Everyone went, "Uh uh-huh. And Ian went, did you, did you just hear that? (laughs) Uh, So can you repeat the line? Ian's like, there's a dog bark in the scene. I was like, why would there be a dog bark? And we had him going for about seven minutes until finally we said John Corbett did it. Ian's like, John Corbett's so 
funny. <laughs> so you were directing, but you, you've directed before, right? Didn't you direct the first uh, My Big Fat Greek Way? No, actually, uh, we had a director. Oh, you did? Yeah. 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 Right. yeah Joel Zwick directed it. Yes, My cast yes. was amazing. Every, there, yeah. there were so many rumors about the film that the press sort of grabbed and ran with. Like, I had so many hometowns. I was born in Chicago, actually, Winnipeg. <laughs> yeah. um, the story that they told, they wanted to tell that I had done no work and it's as if I was sitting in Schwab's and Tom Hanks discovered me <laughs> yeah, you know yeah, yeah. and even when I tried to correct him actually I was classically trained I did Shakespeare went to Second City one night saw it liked it got hired for Second City Toronto then Chicago all the stories that I would tell they go Neo Vardalis was discovered by Tom Hanks that was what would <laughs> yeah, be what they would yeah, write yeah. so um, well, let's talk about Winnipeg for a second okay Winnipeg okay. Mm-hmm. Winnipeg so Nia and I we, we are both from Winnipeg Manitoba Canada and I knew Nia because of she was from Winnipeg and that was a big thing oh Robin Roseanne who is known in our group as I call her the hub <laughs> because she knows everybody yes so Robin Roseanne introduced us yes. and the look on her face of pure joy of getting to connect the two known Winnipeggers (laughs) was and I think she maybe she had a little bit of hesitation or trepidation about it but we saw each other we're like oh my god I'm so excited to meet you (laughs) I am so excited to know you I name drop you quite often quite often yeah Uh, but yeah how do we describe Winnipeg it's a small city Uh when I was there it was like 450,000 people something like that yes it's now 451 some people had babies. Yes. Yes. And there's no real reason to live in Winnipeg because it's extremely cold yep. in the winter. Like you have to plug your car in or the engine will crack. That's extremely yeah. true. Yes. No, people are all excited about the electric cars and we've been doing it for years. Yes. And Winnipeg is this pleasant, lovely city. You can go to the mall yes. and leave your car running. Yes. Robin and I were there, we were shooting something, my wife and I, and we kept on getting lost in the new malls in Winnipeg downtown. And every time we asked someone, Robin couldn't get over this being a New Yorker, they said, well, it's a little complicated. Either we'll drive you there or we'll take you there. Yeah. Yeah. And that is a very Winnipeg thing. Very much They're so. very friendly. If someone's bagging your groceries in Winnipeg <laughs> and they ask you about, where are you from? Where'd you grow up? Um, where'd you go to school? That is just normal conversation. Here, it is followed by what I call the intake of breath. And in the intake of breath, it is... <sighs> Can you get my script to Tom Hanks? <laughs> you recognize that intake of breath. The intake and, of breath. Yeah. Just when you want it, you see somebody and yeah. you're having a great conversation and then they take a breath in and they ask you for a massive favor and you want to go, no, 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 don't, don't breathe in. We were having a great conversation. <laughs> well, that doesn't happen in Winnipeg. People actually want to know, did you grow yeah. up in Save yeah. the Tell? It has nothing to do with the script that they've written about being a grocery bagger. Yeah. You know, Randy Bachman went to the school that I went to in Winnipeg, the West Caldonan Collegiate Institute. I don't know why they call that an institute. It was just a high school. Wow. And I didn't know him for a long time. And then we ran into each other. And and I said, you know, I'm Dave Sachs. Oh, of course. And he knew all my material. I did a piece of material on... I always used the real names of people. Even, <laughs> even like I haven't seen them since the eighth grade. But I was talking about dating this Cheryl Rombaum. And eventually I heard from her husband, who was a lawyer. It was dear defendant, practically. Wow, that's <laughs> yeah, great. Yeah. So Randy Bachman said two things. Because he lived near where I lived and where Cheryl lived. He said, 
people go by Cheryl's house, which he knew where it was. Yeah. And he'd say, that's Cheryl Rombaum from the David Steinberg material. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's how small Winnipeg that's is. That's how small it is. Yeah. It's such so, so loving. Okay. Yeah. We had lots of theaters. So yes. strange to yes. have that many theaters in a city of 450,000. Yeah. We have the ballet. Yes. With the queen. I had dinner with the, the queen in, yeah. in Winnipeg. Yeah. The Royal Winnipeg Ballet is like yes. internationally known. Yeah. And the Manitoba Theater Center. It's amazing. But the culture is, well, it's so cold there. You have to be musical, talk a lot, be funny. Or you'll they... freeze on the spot. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's a, it's a defense yeah. mechanism. Yeah. Randy Bachman went to the high school that I went to years later, and there was a principal there by the name of Jewett, G-E-W-W-I-T-T, something like that. Whatever. I'm sure his childhood was fantastic. <laughs> I, I mean, I th I'm thinking it was taunt-free, but go on. <laughs> and uh, uh, Randy was always tardy, like everyone, and he said... I know you're not going to believe this, so I, I'm there with Jewett, the principal, and he can't, doesn't know what to do with me. And he said, you're the worst we've had here since David Steinberg. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> could, could you imagine? That is such, man, there should be a badge yeah. for that. That is yeah. great. Could you imagine the impact I had on the whole school? I had I'm, no idea. I didn't even know I was going to be famous at that time. I am impressed. <laughs> impressed. Yeah. I, I say that to my daughter actually a lot of um, well-behaved women seldom make history but I said but you have to know what the rules are yes. before yes. you break them yes. but I am impressed when someone's mischievous I mean th yeah. aren't those the people that we gravitate to at every party yes exactly well it is it's great I mean Winnipeg for you and I could talk about it in a way that no one else can because we love the place yeah and it's nothing to look at it's flat. It's, it's flat. Very, yeah. Do you know that joke? That yes. it, yeah. Winnipeg yes. is so flat that if your dog runs away. One of my albums. Wait a minute. Do you know what just happened to me just now? <laughs> Everyone no, listening? There's no way you could know that. When your dog runs my... away. My... I'm so excited right now. <laughs> That's your joke. Yes. I can't believe it. Okay, yeah. do it for me. Let me watch. Uh, it was just very simple, me talking to Carson. Describe Winnipeg. I said, it's very flat there. And he said, well, really, how flat is it? The way Carson would say that. Uh -huh. I said, when your dog runs away, you could watch him go for three days. <laughs> is that how you heard it? Yes. Yeah, that's that's exactly how yeah. I heard it. That's amazing. Yeah. That's yeah. your joke. Yes. yes, on the Tonight Show. So that must yeah. have been, I mean, you know how you realize later what your influences are? Like, I yeah. got to stay up and watch Johnny Carson. So obviously yeah. I saw you on Johnny Carson. I yeah. was so excited. But also how my comedy was informed by you and not, um, not knowing it. Like um, I always think with Fiddler on the Roof, Norman Jewison definitely informed how I write about family. Yes. But I didn't realize it until I saw Fiddler on the Roof as an adult. Yes. And I thought, wow, so much goes into us. So yeah. who, if I could interview you, sure. who informed your comedy, do you think? Well, I, I grew up on radio, so there was no television in Winnipeg, even when I left at 15 or something like that. There was still no TV there. But growing up with radio, I think, was one of the most important influences I had. Yeah. And the comedians that, <laughs> I'm embarrassed about this, that I attacked the most were Wayne and Schuster. Yeah. And Wayne and Schuster on radio were spectacular. And I never missed them. I thought they were great. Yeah. But just because I'll go for a line more than for my deep feelings about anyone, it was there was a roast at the Hilton in New York, and I think it was either Ed McMahon or Johnny Carson that was being roasted. Uh -huh. And sitting there was Ed Sullivan. 
So I didn't know what to say about Ed Sullivan and to Ed Sullivan. So I said, you know, Ed, out of 22 million Canadians, why Wayne and Schuster? (laughs) 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 And then when I got to Winnipeg, I met Johnny Wayne and Frank Schuster. They were doing a benefit for the first time. And I wanted to apologize to them for that comment. I was just looking for Canadian names and it yeah. had turned out to be you guys. And they said, oh, are you kidding? We heard about that from everyone. We dined out on it yeah. and they loved it. Yeah, They yeah. loved it. We were both at Second City, which yeah. is interesting. So how, how did you get into Second City? How did that happen? This story is um, will sound fake, so let's just begin. <laughs> uh, I, I went to Ryerson Theatre School and yeah. I was being trained to be the nurse. In, That's in Toronto, right? In Toronto, yeah. from Winnipeg. Yeah. And it was a classical theater school. I had worked really hard to get into the school. I had worked on my classics and auditioned with my pieces, sung, danced, done everything I could to get into the school. Didn't get in the first time, which I think is good for your character. Got in the second time. And within two weeks of being there, just realized once again, I did not fit in. Mm-hmm. Like growing mm-hmm. up with my friends named Jane and Emily, and they didn't have sideburns. Here I was trying to fit in at Ryerson once again and just going, where is my place? I don't know if I have one. Mm -hmm. And one night we went to Second City because the third act, which is fully improvised, is free. So as students, we could go in and watch the improv set. And seeing improv, I've never felt more of a connection of this is a place where irreverence is rewarded. This is a place where your physicality doesn't determine who you will play. Mm -hmm. This is a place where there were equal men and women on stage. And I felt this is a place where, again, I didn't think I could fit in, but I could do well. Does that make sense? And I can't believe the arrogance of that, but I was like... No, that's important. I felt the same way. When I saw Second City, they came to the University of Chicago, uh and I said to myself, I do that. What they're doing, I can do that. Yeah. So yeah. that motivated me to get in and somehow I did I did eventually. But that group of Second City were the most scary people I'd have ever met. They knew everything. They were all the ex beatniks. Yeah. The reference level is huge. Yeah. Everything was about playing from the top of your intelligence. Mm-hmm. Don't be dumb. Don't be dumb. Don't swear. Don't, don't do swear. TV yeah, references. Yeah. Do, right. It challenged me in so many ways. Yeah. Did you feel challenged? Because you grew up, you know you're funny. Yeah. But then you get there and you're like, wow, I am with five other super funny people. <laughs> yeah. And it, uh, it's sink or swim. Yeah. I was with three other super funny people. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> That's what happens at Second City. You, you get in and there are casts on the walls <laughs> yeah. through the ages. Yeah. Everybody's famous except yeah. for one guy (laughs) and it's such uh it's uh it's humbling because you don't want to be that one guy not that fame is in any way the goal but i mean you want to leave your mark on this comedy planet so i would say to joy sloan god rest her soul soul, i would say joyce who's that that woman there who's that guy there like the one person in each cast who and she'd go well, he's incarcerated. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, and so it it really spurs you to yes. create material, to stay in the cast, to not get fired, yeah. to keep your head down, to do your work. Yeah. So, uh, But the, the way I got in is I didn't get in. I kept auditioning and I didn't get into Second City. I auditioned like five times and would walk in just with so much bravado and um, just walk out with just like, oh, shame sweat. And I couldn't afford the classes. Someone said if you work there you can take the classes for free so I worked in the box office and I was uh, subpar 
at best because um, the show was sold out till like yeah. March. So I would um, take people's tickets, let them into the theater, and then take the phones off the hook and go in and watch the show. Ah, great. And um, a woman got sick and was rushed to the hospital and the stage manager came rushing into the box office looking, we need someone to do them yeah too. she was looking for the, the understudies number oh, wow. and um they, they didn't answer mm-hmm. so she left a voicemail left and i followed her backstage and said i am a member of actors equity and i know your show and she went get the fuck out of here <laughs> <laughs> and i went okay okay sure so i walked out yeah. past um mark one of the cast members and yeah. he said what's going on uh, box office girl um, and Tamar the stage manager said uh, Nia from the box office said she knows the show Deb's in the hospital she has an inner ear imbalance and blah 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 and he looked me up and down and he said do you know none which was the opening to hander yes. and I went yes and he fired the lines at me and I fired them back mm-hmm. and we did the whole scene and then he lit a smoke looked at the stage manager and said put her on Oh, that's Isn't that great. crazy? I owe him everything, Mark yeah. Wilson. So they called uh, Chicago Second City, which was a good moment to note there because that's how they knew about it. Mm-hmm. And Chicago Second City said, put her on, what are you going to do? Anyway, yeah. they put me on. The cast was not friendly backstage at mm-hmm. all before the show. They were like, what's happening? I mean, it was the 80s. I was wearing harem pants, you know, <laughs> and, a, and a cut-off sweatshirt off the shoulder. I'm sure they were like, is this a joke? So I did the opening scene with Mark and then when I he grabbed my hand you know it's black that yeah. goes dark and he grabbed my hand and pulled me off stage so I wouldn't fall off the stage and then the cast was amazing they were like alright wear this for the this scene and walk over here for this and I was like okay and I did the whole show and then afterwards they said um, we want to buy you a drink I was like I have to go and I went home and sat on my couch and cried like just like <laughs> I'm not that person they just yeah. couldn't believe I did it and then the next day I went in for my box office shift at 10am and <laughs> they were waiting for me and they hired me that day yeah did you have to do the box office? To I had to do the tickets? box office for two more weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Which right. is a sign that your dues are never fully paid. <laughs> no. And that's how Chicago heard about me. They came up and, and after I'd written about five shows and then they brought me down and oh, got me my green card. So it sounds fake. Sounds fake, the story. <laughs> uh, my cast at Second City is uh, is pretty impressive because there were three casts. And so in the time that we understudied each other and then were placed in the cast, uh, Stephen Colbert, Steve Carell, Rachel Dratch, Tina Fey, Amy Poehler. Wow, that's a great group. You were you were in a yeah. tough group of. Yeah. Re- I don't mean tough in a bad way, but yeah. they are every every one of those people is unique and good. Yeah, great improvising, great everything. Yeah, everyone went on to work. Scott Ad said every single person went on to work except for that guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah and that's great you get so good at just doing these things and learning about it it's fabulous. somebody said that to me when I got here and had a general interview with a casting director she said you Second City people really know who you are Yes. and do you think that once you have your brand and what you do do you think it's difficult to break out of it do you have any desire or did you try and go ah, this is what I'm comfortable doing no, I always liked to try new things that I was doing. I mean, I, I started to direct, and, and that, you know, I never expected to have successes like I did. So that became great fun for me. And after a while, I thought, you know, the actors are having more fun than I am. Yeah. So then I went back to stand-up and trying that. But I, I was lucky because I had The Tonight Show for almost my whole career. Even as I was directing, yeah. I would still come back and talk to Carson. Yes. We were friends, and he let me improvise. 
so that that helped me tremendously. And did you feel when you got his trust and you knew that you were going back? I mean, that was a rare circle yeah. of, yes. to be in. Yeah. Did you feel like you always knew that was going to happen, a small side of you? It's not arrogant yeah. to say it, but did you know, like, yes. Yeah, I knew that he and I were connected. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I could set him up by my own material and he would have something to say and that's what most comedian missed is they thought that if they just sit next to him and are funny 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 that's fine but if you're funny and you give a subject and he finds a line as funny as anything you're written that's when Johnny is having the most fun Uh and that's what my career with him was more about I would not give him a full version of notes of what I was going to talk about so he could come in wherever he wanted and he wouldn't know where the ending was that's see what's what I find amazing about that is that it's not the norm now because the pre-interview is the comedy killer yes it's like describing sex before you have it yeah it's like saying this is what I'm I'm going to undo your top button then I will kiss your neck yes you know it's like come on it's so boring and yeah. pedantic and that's what um, the the talk show is except yeah. for in as you know England and yes. Australia yes, there's no pre-interview no and they, that's why they're so spontaneous and so funny yeah, yeah. exactly makes a difference it really does so yeah. that's very very rare the Second City conversations that I've had, I've only had one other one and that's with Robert Klein mm-hmm. so Robert Klein came into the company when I was there and just about to leave with the company to England. Yeah. And Robert, I mean, he talked, I, I, I knew I was uh, hard to work with. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I didn't like other people getting laughs. Wow, that's fantastic. <laughs> I didn't mind it, but it just, I thought I, I could do this better than anybody. I, I was, I was very good at Second City. I felt... I was made for it, as you were, and ironically, both of us from Winnipeg and both of us in Sick and Setting. Not a bad name for it, actually. Yeah, I like that. It's catchy. Yeah. It is rare because in Winnipeg, you're, you're not taught to... It, uh, Take what's anything. The word? To, yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. It's um, Politeness is rewarded, and it's not that we're edited in any way no. or censored. It's just that it's for the common good, yes. usually, is yeah. the, the yeah. attitude. And yeah. So I know it, that that place really made me feel welcome. And Joyce would always say, I don't care what you think would make a good scene. I want you to say what's on your mind. That's great. Which has taught me now. And good I, for Joyce. I, yeah. yeah, it's great, isn't yeah. it? Because when I talk to screenwriters, about writing I say don't write to the marketplace if your agent tells you they have an idea for a script it's dated yes just don't just write from your heart right what's the most personal material gets the widest audience nothing is more true than that than my first movie yeah I thought I wrote a movie about some sweet Greek people and then I found out oh Japan you think this is your family too (laughs) that was shocking and then and then you tapped into the ethnicity of the sort of American Greek community, Canadian mm. Greek community, that they just recognize themselves in the movie, which is amazing. I think we're, we were starved for material about ourselves because yeah. the big joke with Greeks is that we would sit in any movie and watch the credits. And if yeah. we saw like, Christy Parakasopoulos is the grip, we're like, look, look, a Greek, look, <laughs> a Greek. You know, like we were starved uh. and I knew that. And so... When I had written the screenplay and couldn't get it read because yeah. my agent had dumped me, 
I jumped on stage to do it as a one-person show, much in the style of Julia Sweeney and Jeff Garland. Mm -hmm. But Ian also is in Second City. Mm -hmm. And did you meet him in Second City? I did. He was the first actor I ever dated. Cause and he was in the Chicago first. Second City. He was, yeah. Right. And I was brought down on a two-year work permit. And uh, I had a boyfriend when I met him. Mm -hmm. And he um, said to me, well, how much of a boyfriend can he be if he's in Canada? <laughs> I was like, you? You, New Yorker. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I refused to uh, pursue the relationship, marry him, etc., because I'm just really um, almost annoyingly independent. Then I got my green card on my own, and Ian proposed, and Joyce said, we don't need you. Bye-bye. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There are tons of comedians out there more than ever before I mean I'm not happy with how big comedy is <laughs> right now <laughs> everywhere you go there like improv groups yeah. that think they're inventing improv yes, they don't absolutely. even know all over the place yeah you know so oh it's because there are just so many more outlets yes you're right On you throw a stone and you can hit a group called yeah. the make em ups yes and they've yes. got a, a yes. YouTube viral hit <laughs> yes. and uh, development deal and yeah. uh, CAA went after them yes. etc cetera, etc cetera. and yeah. it is almost like with American Idol it's <clears throat> it's it's so much easier to get discovered and yeah. then you have to ask yourself what as Joy said what do you have to say yeah. there are lots of funny people and there are lots of people who have ideas and want to yeah. do something but mm -hmm. it's almost like you don't want to help like I give mm -hmm. these talks on screenwriting mm -hmm. all I'm really saying to people is I think you have a story in you write it I'm not here to help you write it I'm not going to read your screenplay mm -hmm. I'm not going to give you notes on it because that encouragement is what I felt I feel still is lacking in this city. It's all about getting something sold in the city. Yes. And I was making $65 a show in Second City. Mm -hmm. You know, I had a, an apartment with cockroaches. I wasn't mm -hmm. there to get discovered for Saturday Night Live. I was mm -hmm. there to do the work. And that's missing. And I know I sound like Grandma Jones. Yeah. Oh, you kids today. But it yeah. really is. You've got to do the work. And you, yeah. like Chris Rock. Remember when Chris Rock did Saturday Night Live and wasn't yeah. funny? Yeah. And then he went off and found himself on the road again. Went on the road to do stand. Yeah. Yes, yeah. and that's the best thing that ever happened to him was leaving yes. Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Yes, yeah, you have to, you have to find it, and you have to find it no matter how difficult it is, uh -huh. and you have to find it by failing. If you find it too quickly, it's not going to last too long. But yeah. if you find it by failing until you find the right way to do it, that's the that's the most important part. Yes. So. Are you going to direct more? You have a movie out now? I have a movie out now, um, and it's coming on a DVD in the Blu-ray. Well, I should say it. All right, ready? Okay. It's available on digital June 6th <laughs> and on DVD and Blu-ray June 21st. Pick yours up now. Make Universal happy. They need the money. It's called My Big Fat Greek Wedding 2. Gotcha. I did not direct it. Kirk Jones directed it. Uh -huh. uh, I wrote both movies. I write most of my movies. because I also would love to do material that I didn't write. Um, I'm on The Catch on ABC. Shonda Rhimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Alan Heinberg wrote it and I love so much that feeling of going back and being an actor and trying to figure out what's the intent here and making mm -hmm. it work but there's also something incredibly wonderful to hear my words come out of an actor's mouth mm -hmm. and they make them better because they breathe life yeah. into yeah 
Well, you're a writer syllables. as much as you're an actor, so you're... I hated, I hated being pegged as a writer at first because I felt like I wrote out of necessity and I met real writers. And the year that I was nominated, I was like, oh, you know, people that were nominated, I was like, oh, I just felt so embarrassed. <laughs> it's just so embarrassed to be amongst it. And now I'm not. Now <laughs> I understand yeah. that um, I am a writer and yeah. I own it completely. As for directing, I think that I have... A hundred percent more to learn. I don't know enough. Um, I had a problematic DP. He cried a lot. Yeah, he cried a lot. And again, you know, I was saying from Winnipeg, the, we, you know, we have this can-do attitude, and yeah. uh, my budget was cut in half um, by New York uh, fringes, mm-hmm. and um, my music budget went from being twenty thousand dollars to a thousand dollars. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it did. It was just really, really difficult uh, to do it. And so many things went wrong. And the DP that we had uh, quit. He got a better job, so quit five days before production. Ooh. And so we got another DP, you know, the guy that was available. And um, I guess I should have checked for the ankle bracelet, <laughs> you know. I, I, I should have done my background. Well, g- give me an example of w- what the conflict was, because the director has the f- say. Yeah. And if most every good DP knows that, and they're wonderful partners, actually. Yes, and they say, I see it on every set I've ever been yeah. on. Yes, they say We're talking about the off. director of photography yeah. in a film, right. So the director of photography, um, I had an eight-day schedule to shoot this film, I think, and to put it into perspective, wow. um, the catch that I'm on on ABC shoots an entire episode in, in eight days. So um, I had an, a whole film to do, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the budget was really, really small, and here's this DP <laughs> coming to the set. Now, I should put it in perspective. I was wearing because I was directing I had a wig made of my hair which could be done in in the makeup trailer yeah. while I was mm. on set laying uh, setting up the shots and so I had a, it doesn't take any time when exactly, you want exactly right. I could this way I could be two places at once yeah. my hair could be getting done and I was on the set I had a shot list yeah. I would show him the shot list every day <laughs> and he would start crying there's no way and I would be like alright so I'd walk him off the set and just be what can I do to help this for example I had a lot of scenes where I was walking down the street so I had put them with my first AD in in a two-day period lay the dolly track once let's do these scenes over and over that take place through the whole film in two days Mm -hmm. so we'd get there and he'd be there's no way I can lay dolly track before noon and it's like (laughs) 5 a.m and I was like why are you crying why that's all what I said most of the time why are you crying and um (laughs) I came up with this this, um, term that I've heard before to apply to him and it's obstructionist Sometimes people want to be right that it can't be done. They don't want to be shown that it can be done. So my focus puller took me aside one day during one of the hissy fits, and because I, I said he said I said it has to be done because I have signed a bond and I am a very fiscally responsible person. Mm-hmm. So we will bring this film in in eight days, mm-hmm. and you will stop crying. The focus puller <laughs> took me aside and he said I have to tell you something, and it's about your gender. He said. I was on a film with a female director and he said and she went one day one day over and the bond company swooped down on her so fast he said you can't go over it's just he said you will never work again so you are right you cannot go over and he said this whole crew is here for you and if you hot fire this guy the gaffer is willing to step in and be your first mm-hmm. isn't that amazing yeah, yes and I should have fired him 
I did. I should have done. And I didn't because I no. was like, I can make it work with this guy. And I should have. That's the lesson I learned. Just well, hire somebody. Yeah. And since then, oh, I do it. Well, you are uh, innately a director because you just say, I was talking to my focus puller as if it's a normal <laughs> conversation <laughs> that people have all day long. <laughs> Imagine people not knowing that we're talking about directing. They wonder, what is Nia up to? Going to my focus puller, which is that cousin we all know. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do love all aspects of it. It's true. Yeah. And I do, I think I write from the point of view of, I see how it's going to be shot. But I do love giving over to the director because sure. having fresh perspective yes. is great. It's yeah. great. And yeah. you have to be willing to stand your ground as the writer yes. and say, I see it this way. So often, I love that conversation where someone will say, yeah. would you consider if they enter this way that, yes, thank yes. you, I'm wrong. Yes. And I love that about Playtone, which I, who I've made so many movies with. That's yes. Gary Getzman and Tom Hanks. Yeah. Because I can say, I'm wrong, and they can say I'm wrong, and we walk away. It's not thrown back at you six times later. You know, Nia, we've been together a lot, right? We have friends in common. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, is that your birthday party? Here? Yeah, exactly. So different. I, this this room doesn't look the same without a bartender back there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, Robin's big on bartenders. So and, great. Yeah, you're delightful. As a, it's, I, I love knowing you. Thank you. I, I feel really the same do. Way. And and I love that we got to talk. And we, you know, we've shared we share such a, a, a an important part of our life because of Winnipeg, yeah. and then Second City and Second City and all of it, and then good marriages from both of us. And the the fourth part, too, that we're both friends with Robin Roseanne. Yes, exactly. Very important. So we will continue to be connected (laughs) to the world because of the hub. Yes. Thank you, Nia, so much. And regards to your focus puller. (laughs) (laughs) I know.